now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news in a minute with Mark Van Aken, but it's been a big week in football. I know somebody used to say that, and as always, we'll be covering the important stories. But once Mark gives us the headlines, make sure you stick around, because a great friend of the show and rising Socceroo star Jackson Irvine returns to Box to Box following his recent star turn with the national side. Looking forward to a chat with Jackson for all the inside the locker room goss, as well as his latest heroics at Burton Albion in the championship. Then in just a couple of hours' time, the A-League becomes the first international top-flight domestic league to introduce the video assistant referee, the VAR. It was successfully trialled in recent international friendlies. To talk us through it all, former A-League referee and now a key player in setting up the system, Streb Barry Dolovsky. Then we'll wrap up the first hour with our man, of course, Dean Hennessy, to go through the penultimate round of the A-League in detail. In the second hour, we'll kick off with the second edition news before we talk to Brisbane Managing Director Mark Klingsman about how the Roar have managed to stay competitive on the park with all sorts of drama surrounding them off it before Dino returns to go through all the international news and stoppage time to wrap it up. Edge, what's hot on your agenda tonight? Do you remember last week I opened the show from my perspective anyway with mm. great positivity because I was channeling Ange Postacoglu's request that we be positive? Mm. Well, it's status quo this week. I'm just going to put that back to one side because Perth glory, mm. garbage on the road once again. A 1-1 draw with Adelaide. Missed opportunity for them. Sydney FC, just status quo. Demolished Mm, Melbourne mm. City. Just, again, absolutely underwrote their title credentials. And Mark Van Aken missed every single deadline for me this week. So... It's status quo. There's no more positivity. And, you know, and I'm going to chime in here. It's because status quo means you are not positive. You are being negative. No, and we're no, going to pick just... the eyes out of your performance next week. And we'll, 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 we'll talk about status quo Edgley style rather than Van Aken style, the, the pillar of strength of this program. Anyone listening to this program, they've got mates, as we all are in this show, and you take the P15S out of your mates on a regular basis. That happens on air. Sometimes I would love to play you the unplugged version of Box to Box. That would be entertaining. <laughs> Among many highlights, boys, let's get to the news. For European-based Australians midweek was the return to action of Tommy Rogic. He'd been sidelined, of course, for three months with an ankle complaint, having been showered in praise by Hoops boss Brendan Rogers, who said he might end up being one of the best players in Europe. Rogic was brought off the bench in the 60s second minute. Renowned, re-crowned rather, champion Celtic drew the game against Partick Thistle, one all with Aussie Ryan Edwards playing the full match for the visitors. Good news for Tommy? Absolutely good news for Tommy. I've got a track watcher in Scotland who tells me young Ryan Edwards is having a great season and that his form is very, very good. I noticed he was in the extended squad for the Socceroos before the cull of 23 for the last two matches. One to watch. He was a very good performer at under 20 level as well for the young Socceroos. Well, to Ange's credit, he's clearly watching all the leagues because that's where he first spotted Jackson Irvine at Ross County. So uh, if you're playing well in any league, you'll get noticed. He will find you. Now, Aaron Moy, let's cross over to England, helped Huddersfield Town arrest their mini-season slide. With a goal in their 3-0 home win over Norwich City, Moy's tidy finish came on either side of goals from Elias Kachunga and Nucky Wells. Moy Moy just doing his business up there. Yeah, and they've got a game in hand, so they're... they're uh 
nine points off the automatic qualification, but there are <clears> lock, it appears, for the playoffs at the very least. You'd think Newcastle and Brighton are going to... Oh, they're specials through. to get yeah, up automatically. But, um, yep. but that, that win just cements them in that... Uh, that top half of that next four, doesn't it? Absolutely. Now, as you touched on off the top, A-League officials Chris Beath and Sean Evans agree that the introduction of video assistant referees, or VARs is the term we're going to hear a lot, no doubt, for the rest of the season, will help them feel more comfortable on the job. VARs technology will be used in a top-flight league match for the first time ever in Friday. So exactly what you said, Rob. Mm. The technology can be utilised by central referees for the remainder of the season and in finals in instances of goal, no-goal decisions, penalty, no-penalty decisions, direct red cards but not second yellows, and cases of mistaken identity. Of course, as mm. you touched on more on this later on the show, with former ref and now one of the VARs themselves, Mr. Stebray Delosky. Yeah, look, how massive is that? I mean, it's been a talking point for as long as... Any of us have followed the game. It seems to have worked in those couple of friendlies. I know we're going to talk to uh, Streb about that, but uh, it's just a lock, isn't it? it uh, it's the Pandora's box finally opened and it'll spread around the world. Oh, I'm really looking forward to Streb Ray being on the show. I've got about a 1,000 questions from him, <laughs> three or four on uh, on this stuff, and then about 996 on, in, on all those decisions he made. They weren't right. <laughs> so he comes on saying, I'm going to be half glass full. He has a crack at that you. That was last he's week. Ha- he has a track, crack at Strebray Delosky before week. he even gets on the show. Big Steb. Steb, mate, Steb can, uh, he can handle himself. Don't worry about that. Now, boys, this is a bit disturbing. Football Federation Australia's request to extend the deadline for reform mm. is set to be considered by FIFA. With the March 31 deadline to expand Australia's voting congress now well and truly expired, the opportunity to expand beyond the current 10 votes has been delayed once again. While various parties continue to lobby for a greater say in the game, they'll have to wait until FIFA's next associations committee meeting to learn if the FFA's application for an extension is granted. FFA seem to be playing with fire. Here are they not, boys? Because, uh, as we said... What if FIFA turns around in a few months when they have this uh, this associations committee meeting and say, mm. well, no, sorry, you don't, we don't grant your extension. You're now three months overdue, and we're going to take action. Well, it's it's really clear what's happening here. The FFA is not uh, really uh, dancing the tune that most of the stakeholders in the game want them to. Um, now they have uh, FIFA and the AFC uh, really... Uh, my information is that uh, they're annoyed at the FFA. So mm-hmm. this is going to end in tears, whichever way you look at it. But, you know, there's been lots written. Um, the models that have been sort of been thrown up are, are, are barely a change at all. The FFA's models are barely a change. I mean, they're going like from 11 to, you know, the offer was from 11 to 14 stakeholders for the vote. I mean, really. Mate, I, I know there wasn't much uh, support from my suggestion of, the potential for a breakaway, but it's happened in just about every sport around the world. I don't think there will be a breakaway because of the FIFA significance. I mean, uh, FIFA may, at the extreme, just remove the board and and replace them with a, a broader stakeholder. That's possible, but look, who knows? The organisation would continue. It's it's all in the future, isn't it? And it seems that there's a bed that the FFA are making and they're going to end up lying in it. And right now... Well, you would think that uh, wiser heads and cooler heads will prevail, that there'll be some sort of compromise that uh, comes out of this. Mm. Um, But, you know, if you read... If you believe what you read and hear, um, but party, the parties are a long way apart. Yeah, a bit of news uh, also. Bizarre news, I, I reckon, with Liverpool announcing... Well, actually, Liverpool haven't announced it, but uh, Gaddy and uh, Tom Smithies in the uh, News Corp press that Liverpool are coming down under next month. Now, considering the planning 
that goes into these sort of events and the fact that Arsenal have basically planned their trip um, to play Sydney FC mm. and Western Sydney over an 18-month period where they've been promoting it week in, week out at the Emirates with the LED signage, mm. all the planning that goes into it, all the activations with sponsors, etc., etc. This just seems a bit weird that they're just on the, on the back of about a four-week notice period that Liverpool's decided they're going to lob in Sydney and likely play Sydney FC. Is that FC. the power of Liverpool, though? It is. Well, it is. I mean, I would back Liverpool to pack the stadium out if they turned up uh, tomorrow and put the ticket, uh, ticket sales on an hour before the game. Well, well I, I was at, I at agree. the MCG that night. I don't know. Well, we've talked about this in recent times, but guys, were you there? That, I was there, yeah, yeah. And what a night that was. I mean, seriously. It, the uh, game it, was awful, but it was still such a great oh, night. Yeah, and Stevie G scoring. Stevie G and Luis yep. Suarez as well was there. The atmosphere was fantastic. The the you know the singing was haunting. Um, it, yeah, it was a brilliant night. But uh, yeah, why wouldn't the Sydney Liverpool fans um, get out and fill the joint? It was a bit disappointing that night too because Victory were missing most of their players because it mm. would have been nice to see mm. what they could do against uh, a Liverpool side in mm. their pre-season at the time. But anyway, I agree that obviously Liverpool has massive pulling power. The only thing you'd say is there's going to be a number of players you would think that would miss the trip because it's only um, uh, slated in for a... You're kidding. A week Are you or telling so? me that an international club would turn up in Australia without their first 11? Well, God. Jurgen Klopp's side's Premier League season concludes, boys, just on the 22nd of May, because, of course, they've got no European Cup or, or any uh, European action on the cards. However, Fox Sports has reported Liverpool are organising the tour themselves. That's another interesting thing, where they're not going through a tribal sports or whoever it might be. They're doing it off their own bat. So, anyway, it's a little bit ad hoc, but again... Um, who could argue about uh, having Liverpool back here again yeah, after drawing 94,000 at the G, getting 50,000 in Adelaide and 50,000 up in Brisbane as well. Yeah, absolutely. Good start, mate. Hey, stick around. After the break on Box to Box, Jackson Irvine, we talk about our man a lot. That is because he is our man. Stick around because he is coming up next. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talksport. Now, until the recent home and away World Cup qualifying legs, Jackson Irvine had been biding his time on the Socceroos bench with some opportunities to make an impact, but they were limited. When opportunity knocked and he was named in the starting lineup, he burst through the door, however, with two standout performances. He's a great friend of the show and always generous with his time. Welcome to Box to Box, Jackson. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. So uh, I've tried to sum it up in that little uh, intro for you there, mate, that um, you know you did have limited opportunities, and I guess like any player, uh, the coach keeps you on uh, the proverbial tender hooks as to will you start, won't you start, how much time are you going to get. How did you feel when you were told in Tehran, this is your opportunity, mate, you're starting? Yeah, obviously was incredibly excited and you know proud and sort of all those emotions that you sort of expect to feel. Um, I was probably a little bit nervous going into the uh, the first game in particular. Um, just, you know, it's one of those things I don't really get nervous for games anymore, mm. but I um, started to get that little feeling in my stomach uh, in the yeah. build-up to the game and, you know, with the lineups and the national anthems and everything. And um, But I was lucky enough. I settled into the game pretty quickly and yeah. those nerves, um, you know, you don't really have time you to be nervous, you know, you just sort of involve straight away and get a couple of early touches and it all sort of fades away. But, yeah, you know, the opportunity, when it, when it comes, you've, you've really got to grow up with both hands and, uh, you know, you just got to try and throw everything into the games that you get. 
And as you say, those nerves that you did feel and you don't feel them very often because, you know, you play in front of some pretty big crowds these days, uh, that um, this wasn't the biggest crowd, but this was the biggest occasion, uh, so to speak. And uh, and it, it says to you, this is my moment. This is one of those dreams I've had for my entire life. And, and now I have to take the chances. No one else can do it but me. It's all on me and I've got to do it. Well, that's literally it. Um, I think that was my the thing I was most nervous about is, you know, if this is going to be, you know, your one your one shot, you know, your one time that this is going you get that game and that opportunity, you just want to you just want to make sure you give it absolutely everything because, um, you know, as it, playing for your country is a, a privilege, not a right. It doesn't matter how well you're doing with your club, you know, you need to be. There's always other players that are that are doing the same thing, and everyone is in the same position as me, just desperate to, to play and, you know, contribute to, to what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, that's, that's the sort of fear, I suppose, going into the game is that if this is, if this is going to be, you know, the, the, the one chance you get, you don't want to let it pass you by. How did you pull up after the uh, Iran game, uh, the Iraq game, sorry, in Iran? Because the pitch looked very heavy. Um, that was one of the concerns I had for the team coming back to Australia was just that that game could have taken a lot out of us. How, how did you pull up yourself, Jackson? Yeah, it wasn't too bad, um, to be fair. Uh, we, as much as, you know, obviously we didn't get the result that we wanted, I think through a lot of periods of the game we were pretty comfortable um, in terms of in terms of our shape and the way we were playing. And, um, you know, so I think a lot of boys, you know, fortunately enough, I'm in a stage of the season where, um, you know, I've played you know, near enough 40 games and um, probably, you know, at the you know, in peak fitness, I suppose. So, uh, you know, that wasn't really too much of an issue. Jackson, um, over there, obviously, you've played in many a country now, but what was the conditions like both over there in Tehran and then how would you compare that to what when you go to places like that versus what you're doing week in, week out in the championship? Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite the contrast. <laughs> um, you know, the, I'm sure everyone that watched the game could see that, you know, the, the conditions weren't great, the stadium and everything, but you know, these are... That's not really new to us. Those are things we've had to deal with. Uh, it reminded me of Olympic Village uh, in August. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? It reminded me of Olympic Village out at Heidelberg in August. It was that heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, played, I've played on school pitches better than that. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, it's, 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 these are the things we've, we've always had to deal with when we go away from home. And um, I think that's, you know, one of the things that people underestimate about um, playing away in, in these qualifiers, that just how, how tough it can be. But you know, not using that as an excuse, it's just something you have to adapt to and deal with. And at times, I think we dealt with it really, really well. We played some, some good football and created some good openings in that game. And, um, you know, I think if we'd gone and got the second goal, it probably would have killed the game off. But, you know, when you allow a team with nothing to lose, you know, an opening back into a game, they can throw everything at you because. As I said, they not haven't really got anything to play for, so um, you know that was a fault of our own. And so, there, in terms of the conditions, you know, obviously, I'm fortunate enough to be playing at the, um, you know, at a level where that's never that's never really something you have to deal with. Uh, even just last night playing at, you know, sort of St James's Park was, you know, obviously the the very peak of sort of, uh, you know, of all that it was fifty thousand. Could have bloody eaten your dinner off the, <laughs> off the carpet. It was, it was that nice. So, it was, yeah. so you know, it's um, yeah. You, those are the things you just have to deal with when you play at an international level in Asia. 
I, I was going to mention that, I mean, it's an interesting one there where you say about going back to Newcastle, and I just want to touch on that in a minute, but I thought just over the two games, I thought your performances in both games were really, really good, and I think if there was ever a time where you've most probably now stamped your authority on a potential start for most probably the next qualifier, as long as you continue your form, I think you've, you've definitely made that big step that all players are always waiting for when you're just knocking on the door. And what I wanted to really know was what, what is it like when you go back? How does Nigel and Andy look after you body-wise with recovery, with all the distance you've tra- uh, you've travelled? Um, yeah, well, on the I got back on the Wednesday night and, uh, you know, um, I spoke to the manager on the Thursday and the Friday. And, you know, obviously we had a big week this week. We've played Saturday, Wednesday night, and then we've got another game on Saturday again. So, um, you know, he took the decision on Saturday that, that I wouldn't start the game and that I, you know, he saw me having more of an effect coming on sort of around 60 minute mark and trying to make an impact from there. And you know, it turned out to be a bit of a stroke of genius <laughs> from his part because that led to the, obviously the Yeah, it's quite attack, clever, isn't it, uh, that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he, did, he, did, he also said that you put, yeah. he also said you put your hand up to start though, uh, Jackson. You told him, uh, I want to start boss. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I'll always, I always will and, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting to an age now where I can, you know, I've matured enough that I, I can adapt my game if, if I feel like I need to. Um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been my usual high energetic self for, for the, throughout the game if I was going to play from the start. But, you know, coming off the bench, it means you can sort of throw everything for you know, mm. at it for half an hour. And um, as I said, that led to, you know, a 90 yard run that, you know, led with me getting a tap into the back post. So, uh, you know, as I said, he was he was very quick to to tell me, you know, oh, you might not have made that run. If you <laughs> so, so I think he, that was his goal as much as mine. This is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Jackson Irvine, star of the Australian Socceroo firmament and star sportsman in this country. We'll be seeing a lot more of Jackson over the years to come, and uh, we're really delighted to have him on the show tonight. So you you mentioned the the game at uh, at St James's Park. There was a little controversy during that game with a penalty call. Can you just sort of walk us through it? Because it seemed like you guys intimidated the referee, and he he just made a howl of a decision, and uh, and and just. I mean, in the end, they probably would have ripped his head off the home crowd if they didn't win. Without a doubt, the strangest, probably the strangest thing that's happened to me on a football pitch. Wow. Um, I I couldn't... So tell us what happened. Tell tell our listeners what happened, because I I saw it and read a lot about it. First of all, it was a very soft penalty. Um, Mm. You know, it was one of them, the striker's taking his touch across the defender. The defender's made that motion of, you know, when you sort of put your hands up and, you know, I've not touched him, and he's just sort of thrown his body... Um, across him, you know, it's one of them, it's 50-50. Anyways, he, he gave the penalty, um, Matt Ritchie scored it, and, um, you know, there was no doubt there was encroachment mm. from from the, their striker, Dwight Gale, was in the box quite early, but, you know, um, it's, that in the laws of the game, it should just be, it should be a retake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the referee chose to give a free kick, mm. and then there was mixed messages coming all over the, on the pitch, some players were hearing that one of our players ran into the box and got held back and by one of their players, and they'd given a foul, and then we'd heard there was encroachment, and then all these different things. It was the most confusing. We ended up in like almost like a huddle in the middle mm. of the pitch, our players and their players, just mm. trying to figure out well, what Well, he happened. was having a conference with <laughs> the linesman. <laughs> yeah, there was about a three-minute delay, and 
the, the, probably the funniest thing about it was they were trying to make a decision quickly, but the crowd was that loud. I've never heard, I've never heard abuse like this coming from 50,000 people, and there were, you could see them all holding their earpieces, trying to speak to each other, and they couldn't speak to each other because it was so loud. So the referee was running around speaking to the linesman and the fourth official, and then just that probably the craziest part of it all is it took them three minutes, two or three minutes to make a decision, and they still um, obviously made the wrong made the wrong one. Oh, but God. yeah, it was it was it was a very it was a very strange incident, very strange indeed. Now you mentioned the the game coming up this week. It's uh, Aston Villa at home. Uh, they've won four in a row. They're in form team. Obviously, uh, Mille will be playing as well, I'm assuming. So, uh, how, yep. have you, how have you prepared for this game? Um, well, as I said, we, we literally got back at, you know, sort of the early hours of the morning last night and, you know, we'll do a bit of recovery today and same tomorrow and try and get everyone, you know, as fresh as possible for Saturday. Um, it's a huge game for us. You know, we still probably require two wins, um, you know, at the minimum to, to, to guarantee safety. And our form since February has been... You know, really, really good. We've only lost three games um, in you know in the last few months, and two of them were away to Brighton and away to Newcastle, the two top teams in the league away from home. So, you know, these are the um, you know that's the sort of form we're in at the moment. So, you know, we're we're pretty confident that if we execute our game plan the same way we have been doing, that uh, you know we can we can really cause them some problems and hopefully get a result. Jackson, what's the feeling like around the club? The fans must be loving the run, and obviously the fact that you're in the hunt to avoid relegation. I mean, they must be loving uh, going along to see the games. I mean, what's the sort of feeling you've got around the club and, and, the, and the community that supports it? Yeah, it's all a bit of a, a dream for the pe- people of Burton that have been that have been a part of this for um, you know the last few years. I think you know we've attracted a whole new sort of set of fans now. You know, obviously playing at this level um, is you know I think. A, appealed to a lot more of the of the public in the area. It is a small, very small club, but um, you know, to back-to-back promotions, like nights like last night, going to play at St James's in a league game, and and some of the the occasions we've had mm. and, and results we've had at home, especially. And, um, yeah, it is. It is incredibly special, and um, I, d- I don't think a lot of people will, will probably realise the sort of gravity of of what this club has achieved. In that sense, you know, we still have three sides of our stadium aren't even seated. That you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, astounding. That's yeah. it is. It's um, it is unbelievable. And um, you know, I think that's where we do gain a little bit of an advantage when we play at home, especially you know, clubs come and they <laughs> sort of see 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 the stadium. And it, I, I think it's a little bit harder to get up for a, for those games rather than playing in front of fifty thousand. So, um, but you know, the, the crowd have been great with us and. You know, we, we did go on a little bit of a, of, a, of a poor run over December and January, and it was interesting because we started the season so well to see that sense of expectation actually come. You know, originally it was just like we're just here for a good time, yeah. and, and if, we, if we if we do anything, then it's a bonus. Yeah. But because of the way we've played at times, you know, we've got that little bit of expectation now, which is which you know adds to us and it gives you a little bit more pressure. And uh, you know, if, if we if we manage to, to stay up, it will be. A monumental achievement by everyone involved. Just to finish, uh, Jackson, uh, I actually went to Burton Albion when Nigel got the job the first time round, when he went, first went into management, yeah. and he was kind enough. I was coming over back from Australia to England, and he, you know, said, "Look, come as come as my guest. Bring you know all your entourage." So I had quite a few followers coming with me, and that was the last time I saw his dad. And uh, 
You know, uh, Brian Clough, obviously, his dad was very, very famous. He managed my dad and signed him uh, for £100,000 in 1970. First time ever. But he, what he did say, and I never forget it, and the last words he said to me, he said, oh, last time I saw you, son, he said, you were picking me pockets. He says, right, get out of here. <laughs> and he's, uh, he was an unbelievable character, trust me. So right, it's a good club, sure. mate. I really enjoy. I'm really pleased that they got there, and I really want them to stay up. Oh, absolutely. We're all gonna give absolutely everything over the next few weeks, and as I said, six games in in about four weeks to go, and just gotta mm-hmm. throw everything at it and try and get those last couple of wins. Yeah, well, yep. good luck. Yeah, good on you, mate. And uh, I know your mum and dad, Danielle and Steve, will be listening to this and uh, and tuning in with great interest and very proud of their boy. And they have every right to be proud of you, as we all are, mate. And we're watching you with interest. So just enjoy the journey, mate, as we clearly know you are. And uh, and hopefully um, this will be just the the early stages of the chapters of a very long book of, of Jackson Irvine and your football career. Oh, I very much hope so. Ah, good on you, mate. We'll talk again soon. Thanks very much. Cheers. After the break, Strebre Dolovsky to talk us through the groundbreaking video assistant referee technology that's being rolled out tonight at Amy Park, Melbourne City v Adelaide. Strebre's going to walk us through it all on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Now, for years, footballers resisted video technology, but we all knew it was just a matter of time. Tonight, that time has finally arrived, and it's the A-League who will forever claim bragging rights as the first top-flight domestic competition to introduce it. One of the men behind the introduction of the video assistant referee, the VAR, is Strebre Dolovsky, a man well-known to football fans for officiating in nearly 200 A-League fixtures and many other Asian qualifiers of different sorts. Welcome to Box to Box on a historic night, Streb. Uh, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Not at all, mate. As, a, as an official that uh, you know that's seen you know most of what the game has to offer, uh, this it must be a, a real um, special moment to, to participate in such a, a groundbreaking evening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to, I guess uh, to be the first uh, man in the world to to roll to roll this out in the top league is uh, is pretty exciting and uh, pretty special. And I'm um, really, really looking forward to tonight. One small step for football. One giant <laughs> leap. Mate, uh, it is, isn't it? Because, uh, I mean, look, anyone who follows the game, I mean, the, the most stark memory in the distant sort of black and white days is the 1966 World Cup final and all sorts of deliberation for the past 50 years since then and any number of other, uh, you know, arguments around football. Uh, you know, did a ball go in? Did it go out? You know, the uh, was Graham Pohl giving three yellow cards in the 2006 World Cup famously when Australia were playing. I mean, these are the things that... Um, that become sort of pub conversation, but uh, it'll be great to see it actually happen and play out during a game. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, there's still going to be um, plenty of talking points through games, I guess, with um, the refereeing decisions. But what what this is designed to do is um, really stop the howler. So mm. you know those those grand poles, you know the three yellow cards and all that with mistaken identity and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know. Here's an opportunity to to uh, fix it, basically. Um, you know, and obviously it affects outcomes of games. It affects um, you know uh, rankings on the table, mm. promotion, relegation, jobs for coaches so, and players, top goal scorers, for example, with the mis- mistaken identity on goals. 
all that sort of stuff. So, you so, know, we're really there to, to, to fix um, the blunder, you know. The so, Strebber, on that point, if you can just go through the... the for the, our listeners, those areas where the VAR uh, is allowed to officiate on, just to be clear. Yeah, so um, the protocol from IFAB uh, clearly states that there's only four areas that we will only get involved in, and that's a penalty kick, a red card, goal, or mistaken identity. So whether they're given or not given, they'll be reviewed automatically. Um, and then for the VAR to step in, and uh, give the information to the referee that he needs to stop the game and overturn a decision, the decision has got to be clearly wrong. Very interesting. Uh, Strebray, uh, have you practised this uh, in um, in some games at lower levels? And how, how many how many times has it sort of been absolutely practised as, as if you're going to do it tonight? So we, we, we've um, tested it uh, as per the protocols. Again, we, uh, we have to test it at all the A-League fixtures. Uh, sorry, uh, venues. Um, that's that's been done now. Uh, we've actually tested it in um, some some trial games that you know through youth league games and, and things like that, where uh, referees have been giving uh, penalties and, and all that sort of stuff uh, deliberately. And you know, so VARs have been overturning those. Decisions. And how so many been... how many times has the VAR been referred to or used in in, in a game so far in those trials? So I think um, I think it was. Um, in, in the 11 or 12 games that were A-League games, yep. it was only three decisions that would have been overturned. Right, OK, that's interesting. So you, we might go through tonight's game then without actually using it. Absolutely, absolutely. Then again, we so, might use it 10 so, times. <laughs> well, that, that, that's not what it's designed for, obviously. You know, the, 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 again, the philosophy is minimum interference with a maximum benefit. So mm. as VARs, we don't want to be getting involved in every single um, decision and, and stopping the game and then not overturning a decision and, and that's not what it's designed to do. If the referee, if the VAR is going to get involved, the decision is going to be clearly wrong. So an example would be, and, and probably paint a picture for, for the listeners here, uh, there was a lot of debate about the Castro penalty kick um, yep. last week or the, or the week before, right? So a lot of people say that wasn't a penalty, uh, you know, it went down, it was, it was pretty soft. Um, and then there's some others that say, look, you know, he, there was contact to the shin, so, you know, what, what's he supposed to do? So there is a debate. And if this is a situation, then the VAR should not get involved. Stab- and therefore, what would the, the decision of the penalty kick would stand. Stabray, it's Dean here. Um... I've obviously coached for many, many years and I never really enjoyed uh, refereeing in training, to be honest. So I, I think from the referee's point of view, this is a, a little bit of a godsend. Is it right, though, with regards to the game that Sydney FC had a penalty call right de- really late in the game that they did get beat? Had that been in there, would that have been reversed? So you're talking about the Alex Brosk trip? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... So in the, in this situation, in this incident, in this particular incident, um, I think everybody saw the trip and it was clear. The referee unfortunately missed it. Um, in this situation, play would resume um, and the, the incident would be reviewed. Um, in, the, in this one, you know, it would probably take 30 seconds because because it was clear the trip, um, and then the information would go to the referee to, to stop the game when it's in a neutral zone. Obviously, you know, he's not going to stop it if, if there's a shot on goal. So the, the, the ball's got to be in a neutral zone 
the decision will be, uh, the the play will be stopped. The referee would give the TV screen um, as as the review, and then would go on the either go on the AR, the VAR's advice and, and change his decision on a water penalty kick, or go to the halfway line and look look at it uh, for himself if, if that's what he wants to do. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Strebray Dolovsky ahead of the groundbreaking initiative tonight by the FFA. Great news by the FFA. The Melbourne City match v Adelaide will be the first in a domestic competition to feature the video assistant referee. Now, in terms of the actual technology uh, itself, uh, what does it look like? I mean, are there, are there uh, cameras uh, physically on the, the posts? Um, how, how does that all that set up all work? Yeah, so... Um I guess it works a little bit like um, the bunker in, in rugby league, but we'll, we'll be uh, stationed at the at the stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hawkeye, you know, Hawkeye is the technology, so we will have the same camera angles as Fox Sports do. Um, and then, which depending on the the category of the game, um, you know, there could be twelve camera angles um, on a particular match, and we'll have access to all those camera angles. So. Um, whatever's replayed to the viewers is, is exactly what we'll, we'll be getting. So in when you say field. Hawkeye, do you mean like the tennis? We're going to see like a, uh, a um, an animated type vision on the screen. No, so um, there'll be nothing on there'll be nothing on the screen. It'll just be, um, you know, maybe I'm not I'm not quite sure exactly what it's going to look like on a screen, but it's not going to be um, a, a decision or an incorrect decision. But the referee will indicate one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's going to be a penalty or not a penalty, if they're going to change the decision. So um, there is, uh, yeah, so I'm not quite sure what's going to be happening with the actual TV screen in that sense. But Hawkeye basically is the operator. There'll be an operator that sits next to me. Um, I'll be, as, as VAR, sorry, looking at the, um, the game live on, a, on another screen. And then when there is a decision to be reviewed, I, I press a button, and then that's indication to him that I want particular camera angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can say, rewind that, go back, um, mm. just give me that camera angle, and then communicate that to the, the referee. Stabra, you know, um, obviously you've refereed for many, many years, and you've been in some tight decisions where you've most probably got them right, got them wrong, almost 50-50. You never got any wrong. <laughs> you never got any wrong, that's right. Probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but this must be a relief to a lot of referees where the game is so quick now compared to the old days and, and the things are happening at a million miles an hour that it's really, really difficult at times when you watch it in the naked eye, even on the replay, you have to watch it maybe two or three times to actually get a decision yourself. So I think, from my point of view, I think this is a really, really good initiative, and I think if this works, hopefully this this will transpose all the way throughout the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from, from a refereeing uh, point of view, nothing changes. Um, the referees still need to make a decision uh, whether it's a penalty or not a penalty. But I guess they've got a little bit of comfort now knowing that if they if they make if they have a clangor or there's a big decision and does I get wrong that there's someone there to help them out um, to rectify that that's probably um, the, the main thing here. But the, you hit the nail on the head. The game has changed so much in even five years that the you know from from five to ten years ago the, the tiki taka style has now changed to counter attacking football. So as you guys are aware, you know the ball can end up on the other other end of the field in um, you know one or two seconds. So Again, the referees need to be fitter and quicker and sometimes they either don't get there or they're in the wrong position or wrong angle um, and they're going to make errors and they'll continue to make errors. So, you know, the technology is there just just to assist in... Again, 
the big decision, the, the, yeah. the, the clangers. Stribray, um, I'm just going to change the subject for one moment. Are you missing refereeing in the A-League on the pitch, that is? Um, no. <laughs> Look, so, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a big commitment, you know, and, and yeah. there's only three full-time referees. So, so with that commitment, you know, guys that aren't full-time are expected to train four, do- uh, four three to four days a week, that, you know, teleconferences, um, you know, review data, review incidents, and then go do a game on the weekend and, and then it's a hobby really because then they've got a full-time mm. job that yeah. they have to do Monday mm. to Friday. So, yeah. you know, it's still, um, you know, we're working hard to to get some more guys, I guess, in full-time. But I guess, um, you know, now with the new television deal, we, we just want a fl- slice of the pie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like everybody else. So you must be walking around town with a slice of cheese in your pocket. So when you see someone jaywalk, you just slip out the yellow card and give it to them. Or you see one of the ki- <laughs> one of the kids doesn't eat their broccoli, you whack out the red card and say straight to the room. Are you getting any of that action in your life still, Cerebro? Hmm. Yeah, my, my, my kids and my wife, um, you know, give me an old red card um, now, now and then. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, look, um, I guess, you know, with, with retirement, you, you think it slows down, but actually now with the VAR and... I guess being president of the Professional Football Referees Association, um, you know, it's actually gone the other way and it's actually quite busy. But, look, I, I enjoy it and, um, you know, I'm passionate about refereeing um, and, you know, I think it's... Uh, I, th- I thought it was time for me to step down and give other guys an opportunity to, you know, fulfil their dreams, I guess, in, in refereeing it, both domestically and internationally. And like, like a player, um, every referee's uh, dream is to referee at a World Cup. So, you know... Time to step aside and give someone else that opportunity to try and achieve that. Good on you, Shreve. Well, well done on a great career so far, mate. But it goes on in the uh, video assistance box. Uh, we Thank will you. get you on um, perhaps um, after a few games in the finals. Yeah, that'd be good. Perhaps we'll review how it's gone so far and uh, and, and watch the work in progress. There you go, fans. Yep. Uh, referees are human, aren't they, Rob? <laughs> they can speak. And they can they can have a bit of fun too. I'm going to pull out the yellow card on him now, Shreve. <laughs> Yeah, please do. Change it to a red. <laughs> yeah. Well done, mate. Thank you. No, thanks, boys. Enjoy. Next up, more A-League. Stick around. Dino's coming back on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And storage key. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. It's been a packed first hour because we had an extended conversation with Jackson Irvine and, of course, Strebray Dolovsky. So we've got a shorter look at the A-League tonight. But before we get into the A-League, Dino, I've got to thank you, mate. Um, our friends at Storage King have uh, reached out to us. Michael Alafarchi, the, uh, the the financial controller there, his wife Antonella has been suffering through a cancer battle of recent times now. Mm. Uh, she and uh, Michael and their two sons, Matthew and Daniel, are huge Sydney FC fans. And Michael said to me, mate, look, is there any chance you could organise something special for us because they've been going through a bit of a battle? And I said, Dino, mate, what can you do? So you called your good mate, Terry, Terry McFlynn. Yep. Could not be more helpful the moment we asked, just said, listen, what can we do? Um, I've invited the family down to uh, uh, the presentation of the Premier's Plate for the final home game. Uh, they are absolutely thrilled, um, just, just fizzing with delight. And for a, a beautiful lady, a mum of two kids, who's you know coming out the other side, hopefully, of uh, what's been a pretty traumatic time, uh, these are the sorts of moments that change things. And the, she hadn't gone out for a long time, and she last weekend decided that she did want to go out on their 22nd anniversary, wedding anniversary. And where did they go? To the football. Football, yeah. brilliant. So, oh, look, it's, it's, you, you really... 
blessed, I guess, even if you can help, you know, and mm-hmm. we're very, very lucky with this show, plus also all the, the network and the contacts that we've got within mm-hmm. the game, mm-hmm. at the A-League and International with, you know, Ange coming on the show. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty blessed. And, uh, you know, when there's people in need and they just need a bit of a cheer up, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not much to ask. And Sydney FC, like their season this year, have been outstanding. Throughout. And it comes that... as well from Arnie. It's not just yeah. Tell. Tell yeah. does his bit, but, you know, Arnie will make that decision. Yeah. He'll talk to the board and they'll, and they'll it's not just in, for people you know? that are connected as well, no. because uh, we, we do know we know many many stories of of the things that the players do for for young sick kids and 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 people who who aren't you know able to make those calls. So so to our mates at Storage King and uh, you know a shout out because I was up at the head office talking to the boys the other day to the Italian connection of, of Seb and and Luca to the bosses Michael Tate David Scanlon just brilliant people Gary Stegstra Russell Pike Martin. All the big names there, you know, we're just so grateful for their support. But uh, to Michael Antonella and, and the boys, uh, we hope you enjoy your special moment in a couple of weeks' time, Edge. Football clubs, um, rugby rugby league clubs, rugby union mm. clubs. I mean, it's the one, having, you know, been involved in, uh, you know, the commercial side of professional sport, mm-hmm. it is one of the great things that you can do when you're involved at elite sport is to mm. make uh, very special people mm-hmm. who are suffering really challenges in their life, mm. uh, you can really do some good. And mm. I think all clubs, all professional sporting clubs around Australia do a great job there. Yeah, no, and no. Just I, brilliant. Here, here, it's, it's well said uh, uh, because uh, this is an insight into uh, uh, something that does go on quite a bit. And, oh, um, it does. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, you commend all of the people involved in that. Bravo, Dino. Bravo, Terry. Bravo, Sydney FC. Well, we have the game tonight, which mm-hmm. is kicking off very, very, very the shortly. The VAR game yes, with Strabri Dolovsky in the box seat. So that's interesting, you know, in the sense of that's, you know, breaking in regards to a trend that's around the world. But for me, Melbourne City last week... Without, really... without the VAR tonight, it would be a pretty ordinary game. Oh, oh, I hope there's going to be a decision. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, City were poor last week. They got well mm-hmm. and truly beaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adelaide 1-1 draw mm-hmm. with Perth. Mm-hmm. Um City have to win this. To, to finish where they want to finish, mm. they must win this because they have a tough trip next week away at Perth who are going to be fighting for their lives. I will go City to win, uh, but it, it, I don't think it's going to be a thriller. Mm, yeah, I think I agree. City to win, Edge, you would agree with that? I do. Wellington, a danger side against Sydney FC. Now that Arnie's got uh, a couple of the boys... Sorry, just back to Melbourne City. Hodgesaurus, will we see him on the sideline? I doubt it. Yeah. Disappointing. <laughs> well, Wellington are danger at home against it, though, Sydney obviously. FC boys. Because some of the best gifts going around on yeah, uh, social media are of the Hodgesaurus. Sydney FC will win, even though they've got the... I mean, Marco's pointed out they've got some uh, losses there through... Uh, uh, some, through some unintentional in, yeah, yellow cards. Indiscretion. So I think Sydney are just in red-hot form. And as much as Wellington were really good, I went to that match, and were very good value, mm. I think Sydney will win. Mm-hmm. Okay, well they won 3-0 against City and uh, they're at home against uh, Sydney FC. Uh, this will be one of those tests of the depths of Sydney, of course. So uh, Wellington, a draw for mine. So uh, yeah. the Wanderers v Victory, what a big, big game! Big that game. Is. This this is big. Victory don't need to do anything really other than try and get in some form after last week. But Western Sydney Wanderers are flying, and I'm going to predict that they actually win against Victory because I normally go for victory, as you well know. I think they'll normally, win. Always. I think they'll win. But also, more importantly, they go away to Adelaide next week. Mm. And I think they'll go there and turn them over as well. And that could be the difference between finishing where they are fifth at the moment, but finishing mm. fourth or potentially even third. So mm, it's really yeah, important. Yeah, I think Wanderers win that one too. I did. 
Melbourne, Melbourne victory, gee, they need to uh, respond. And uh, I was actually doing an extra couple of uh, sessions this week and I was going around uh, the Gosha's Paddock and saw uh, um, Muskie putting victory through a very intense session. So uh, I'm, I'm, I think it'll be a draw. All right. Um, Perth, Brisbane, very quickly, Dan. Brisbane. Okay, I think uh, Perth at home win that one, Edge. Uh, Perth at home, but uh, I have no confidence in Perth after last week. Oh, pl- you know, you wouldn't, but plenty of pressure on them. I think they win that. And uh, Central Coast v Newcastle, the F3 derby, um, that's a toss of the coin there. Oh, draw. Yeah. Draw. All right. All Newcastle right. for me. No worries, Dino. Stick around. Don't know why. But... After, <laughs> after the break, Brisbane Raw Managing Director Mike Kingsman is going to be on to talk to us about all the goings-on at their club. Dino returns with the international game and stoppage time with Mark coming up on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box. Soon we'll chat to Mark Kingsman, Managing Director of the Brisbane Raw. Just how are they keeping it together on the park with all the drama off it? We'll find out. Dino returns with everything going on in the international game. And as always, we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Before that, what else is going on around the football world? Ange Postacoglu. Yeah, uh, look, story there. Yeah, little stories come out this week. I think it's a little bit of non-news, frankly, because uh, he's, he's, he's been it's a bit of fake news, as uh, one flog president might say. Anyway, Socceroos boss Ange Postacoglu has confirmed when he will finish up as national team manager. Speaking at a dinner event on Wednesday night at the AFI Institute, Postacoglu stated he will be stepping down after the 2018 World Cup in order to pursue coaching options in Europe. Les Murray, of course, the doyen from SBS, hosted the event and confirmed Postacoglu's well, it's bombshell, not really a bombshell, on Thursday morning. Now, I think he's been pretty open and honest with a lot of people saying that that was the plan all along, to get through to Russia. Mm. And I um, cheekily said today, well, if, he might he might not get through Russia the way he's going as well. So he's actually got to qualify and then do well there as well. And it'd be interesting too, because he's obviously got some sort of cachet now being the Asian Cup champion coach. But the well, reality he's always is... said that he wants to coach in Europe, a big club, hmm. and you would think two uh, trips to the World Cup in the event we do qualify, and we're channeling his positivity. I noticed at that hmm. dinner he was very positive and said we'll qualify and we'll qualify easily. Hmm. Um, so that remains to be seen. I mean, I'm going to chat... Than me. <laughs> For this segment, I'm channeling his positivity, no question about it. I think we will qualify. But let's just, on the, on the basis of being positive, uh, we go to the World Cup. He has two World Cups in yeah. charge, five years, an Asian Cup under his belt, uh, an Asian Cup win under his belt and two qualifications. That's pretty good. Hey, who takes over from Ange Postacoglu? Well, but, mm. Yeah, I think Arnie's in the box seat there. Well, I think it's Kevin Musket, actually. Yeah. I think Arnie may not want to do it. Um, look, this is just my assessment. I, may, I'm think, I think Kevin Musket really uh, covets it. And I think he might be he clearly the modern it. man yeah, for yeah, it. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, what do you think, Marco? Um, I think Muskie would have to get a few more runs on the board before yeah. that would happen. Because My big concern. The con- concern is when he took over the victory, yes, they won the championship, had a great season, but it was essentially the squad that he'd inherited from Ange. And while they're still very much in the frame to win it this year as well, um, yeah, so let's not get carried away and say Melbourne Victory haven't performed under Kevin Musket. But what yeah. I'm saying, he wouldn't mind an extra title or so. The funny thing is, if you asked this question 12, 18 months ago, it would have been Tony Popovich. And I think it was yeah. a toss of a coin for a lot of people whether the job went to Ange or Popper. Popper's lost a little bit of luster, but at the same time, he's an Asian Champions League winning coach. And I tell you what, if there's one smoky coming into these finals, it's the Western Sydney Wanderers because they're well and yeah. truly purring like a kitten at the moment. They are indeed. But uh, the one name that gets left off the list 
And I, and it's just interesting. We've Nemec Djurakovic. Yeah, I mean, for obvious reasons. What can you do? What can you do? Um, but we've just had that little discussion. We've talked about Arnie. We've talked about Kevin. We've talked about Tony Popovich. John Aloisi gets left off that list, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. What do you think he does? Because I, I, I must admit, when I started to think about this today for this discussion, I didn't really think about him. And then I thought, oh, I've left him off the list. And I had a, a bit of a think about it. And I just don't feel comfortable. Well, he had, he had a false what's, start what's at, he um, at the Melbourne Heart, didn't he? And, yeah, and I he think had that to was... Re, but but I actually don't feel comfortable through. putting him in the same breath as Arnold, mm. or let alone... Because um, I think Arnold's in front of mm. Musket and Popovich. Mm. But... It's interesting. No, it's interesting. Well, I mean, he was, hasn't won anything. That's why. With then, all due respect to John, yeah, as you said, he had a false start with the Melbourne Heart. Yeah. Um, he's certainly redeemed himself. Yeah, we had some difficult conditions there. You know, no money. Yeah. They were they were they were, they were pretty uh, pretty threadbare squad. You know, it was pretty. Well, now but got, the question what's then the excuse is, now then because they got plenty of money. Well, oh, I, anyway. didn't he? I think that the no. real uh, divergence on this is just how we go. A, do we get to Russia? And B, do we do we do well? I think if we get to Russia and do well, then an Australian coach is in the box seat. If, for God's sake, we don't get to Russia or we do really poorly, then there'll be the argument that, you know, the Australian coaches no, aren't I, up for it. We've got to get another yeah, European. Yeah, but I, I think like the that. Australian coaches are as good as any... We, yeah. we, we tend to think that. But, yeah, no, no, I but, think, but it's, I but, think but, we've but you, moved past But you've that. gotten a bit... I think oh, no, we haven't, it. no, we haven't moved past that. Oh, until, we, um, until something gets achieved. Again, with all with all due respect to Ange Postacoglu, yeah. everyone, and, and the, some of the luster is coming off Ange at the moment, and that's why he's going on these mm. um, offences. I think that's offenses, harsh. Charm offenses. We are Wait. undefeated in this campaign. Yeah, well, I'm channeling his also, positivity. We also didn't his positivity. collect a point in Brazil. People seem to gloss over the fact that we went... If Dean Hennessy was making the decisions, the entire coaching panel would be Welsh. Hmm, perhaps, but why uh, not? Ryan Giggs, Jess Fishlock might come in and Jess Fishlock, captain coach of the Socceroos, mate. She's she had a cracking goal record. for Wales actually uh, overnight. Anyway, moving right along. Did we get anywhere with that? No, probably oh, not. Must your opinions. I think, <laughs> now, I think our skip. opinions just broadly just skip along with the rest of the general football public. Gonna skip this next Liverpool story because I'm pretty sure Dino. He's going to cover that off later in the hour. Um, I always watch this with interest. The four UK football associations have held further talks over a Team GB women's football team taking part at the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. The English, Welsh, Scottish and Northern Irish representatives held discussions on the topic while attending the UEFA Congress in New Stinky, Finland. Men and women's sides competed under the GB banner during the 2012 Olympics. As we know, plans for the teams to compete in 2016 were scrapped after protests from the Irish, the Scots and the Welsh. Um, there's no prospect of a return for the men's side, which I think is a little bit sad. Um, it's believed there could be a possibility for the women coming up in 2020. Of course, the whole hesitation here is the Welsh, the Scots, and probably the English for that matter too, fear that all of a sudden if they start turning up in tournaments like the Olympics all the time as GB, mm. FIFA is going to ask the rightful question, well, hang on, are you one country or four? Mm. I think that's fair. I mean, what do we do? Turn up at the World Cup and, and pick uh, you know, the best uh, two or three Kiwis and, and bolster our side and call Wish ourselves we have a house. Yes. Well, exactly Dino's just walked about. in, and we should ask uh, we should ask Dino just to. I mean, have you heard what we've been talking about, Dino? I have. Yeah. What do you um, think about Team GB? It's interesting. Um, I know the home internationals when I was growing up as a kid, it was really special. Um, but I think that's lost its tarnish now because they don't have it. I think you get a lot of good competition when you get two home countries playing against each other in the qualifiers. Um, so what, I, what about I, a Team I, GB I at the Olympics? I, I, well, I really don't, I don't care. If they do, they do. It doesn't really make any difference. So you me. don't have any 
I don't take the Olympics seriously, to be honest. Yeah, Not I don't football. think anyone does. Football's yeah. World Cup. Yeah, football football yeah, yeah, that's the point I was going to make. Was women's football? Well, a I thought story. Talk, we, yeah, we, women's football is just women. Yeah. Oh, yeah. women's. Well, again. But do you like the concept of Team GB? Do you like the fact of you know uh, of one team representing all of the the greater interests of Great Britain? I haven't really got an opinion on it. Mm. Sorry, can't add any. Well, thanks for coming in, Dino. That was special comments, but no, I don't. I mean. For women football, I don't know. I mean, it might have a bearing, but for men football, men's football, I'm not really sure how much advantage you get. I mean, it's bringing the teams together, but it is such an anomaly that I think in women's the the World Cup is getting bigger and bigger, but the Olympics has always been actually a little bit bigger than the World Cup, which is obviously not the case on the men's side of the ledger. So the fact that a Jess Fishlock doesn't get to go to the Olympics is ridiculous oh, and, and compete for the biggest stage for the women. Yeah, so. yeah but, but she's Welsh and they don't qualify. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the way that it goes. But um, Well, they don't qualify because they're not they putting have, a team in. Yeah, but in, in London um, for Team GB, the men's team, did they have quotas for, from each home nation or did they just pick on merit? I think they, I think they had to have a certain yeah, amount of was. players from, from each, each country. Each, each but... country yeah. See, that's silly too, doesn't it? I mean, that, that, that's... That's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, well, it depends on what side of the fence you're looking at it from, doesn't it? Uh, you know, it's um, a political point that gets talked around all around the world. You look at South Africa, I mean, uh, you know, quotas for different reasons there, but, you know, do they need them? You would think so. Anyhow, moving on, boys. Um, the A-League is likely... Now, we've got some audio coming up for this. The A-League is likely to ban players earning yellow cards deliberately in the wake of the controversy surrounding Graham Arnold ordering Sydney FC midfielder Josh Belante to get himself booked and trigger a suspension. Arnold was caught on a pitch-side microphone telling Belante to get booked. Let's have a listen to this, uh, how it all unfolded on Fox Sports on Saturday night. Joshy! Come here! Come here! Relante unaware of uh, Kamau's imminent arrival. Now a yellow card for Brillante for holding back his opponents, and that is his eighth card of the season. He too will miss the trip to Wellington. Best to get all your bands out of the way in the regular season when you're pre. Well, I hear, I hear that's 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 a trip to miss. Is that right, Simon? <laughs> hey, I like going to Wellington. Don't include me in that. Hey, Ned Zelich, mate, you're from Canberra, mate. You know exactly coming. You know exactly coming. Did you just repeat? Because just in I case just, uh, our listeners okay. didn't quite. So hear. you didn't pick up. So what's happened there is Josh Belante. It's come to a certain point in the game, mm-hmm. and uh, Graham's called him over to the sideline and said, "Mate, get a yellow card." It was a little bit inaudible, but mm. now. Under UEFA rules, a player in the Champions League, Europa League or European Championships games who can be clearly shown to have been booked deliberately, usually to ensure suspension during a meaningless game, can have an additional games ban applied. FFA will look at something similar for next season, uh, according to Greg O'Rourke, the head of the A-League. So I know some people say this is a storm in a teacup. And for me, it is just smart business by mm-hmm. Sydney FC to do this because, again, Brillante can now go into the finals unencumbered. Could Graham Arnold just have come up with a code word? Mm. Just something. So Look, I, I said this off Josh, I'm going to use Chocolate this. ice cream, chocolate oh, ice no, cream. No, no, no. Crossing over to, to another sport, which which I'm partial to, is anyone who follows State of Origin Rugby League would remember the great Tommy Radonikus. And, uh, and when it was still legal to throw a punch in that game, his code word was cattle dog. 
So Cattle Dog meant it was on. So that's what they should have had their own Cattle Dog, and then none of this controversy would have ever raged. Look, we've um, there's a few people in this room, all of us, uh, but uh, Dino, I, and Mark, who've been around the game a long time. This has been going on for mm. time and eternity. This is mm. no issue. Yeah. This is actually... Um, we all agree that it's not... That no one's it's been a, stupid enough to body do it in front of an effects mic before. I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if Dean's in the same position at the end of this year with Hume City, he's doing exactly the same, aren't you, Dino? We might be playing yeah. a quote from Dino during the <laughs> FFA Cup. Uh... Dean doesn't want to say yes. Now, I understand where we all stand with this, but Greg O'Rourke doesn't seem very happy. He said, we're disappointed. We have coaches out there overtly calling for their players to commit fouls. FFA has an integrity unit, which will be looking at the rules around this, Robert. Good stuff, Marco. Well, Speaking of Greg note... O'Rourke, how's he going? We don't hear from him very often, do we? Mm. He's no Damien Bowne, that's for sure. Mm. We still enjoy Damien Bowne getting on uh, Fox Bowen. Sports. De Bowen. De Bowen. Oh, sorry, that's right. Damien Bowen was his old name. I should remember. Yes. Um, Damien De Bowen. He used to get on Fox Sports and, and uh, give us quite a bit of entertainment. Gregor Rock doesn't do that, does he? We'll have to get him back Doesn't on Box, Box. He's been a guest of ours in the past. Why don't yes. we invite him back on and see what he has to say? Yeah. That would be a solution to that conundrum. Well done, Marco. Next up, Brisbane Raw Managing Director Mark Kingsman. He's going to talk to us about that club. I mean, how are they going so well on the park with all sorts of calamity... Cal- catastrophe and cataclysm off the pitch. We're going to find out when we talk to him next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks, put on digital radio, streaming on whatever app you like. Might be TuneIn Radio, Radio App. You might even be listening to the podcast via box2boxnts.com.au. Now, Brisbane Raw have been in the football headlines for plenty of reasons since the pre-season. Unfortunately, many of those stories have been for what's been going on off the pitch. But to tell us the truth behind the stories, we go to the source and Raw Managing Director, Mark Klingsman. Plenty of scuttlebutt, Mark, but as it must be said, more often than not, the team continues to perform on the park. Welcome to box to box Thank you very much. It's a to talk to you. And uh, and as I said, there's 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 two d- distinct uh, uh, stories to to the raw. If you if you have it that uh, you know on the one side there has been drama off the park. It's uh, it's it's uh, you know obvious that you know uh, people like Ross Aloisi, Craig Moore have uh, have had their troubles and remain suspended, and uh, uh, you've lost a, a couple of key people. But uh, but John Aloisi and the rest of the team literally performing on the park and um, and look like you you're guaranteed a home spot in the finals. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to, uh, to to the finals, whether we're at home or away. We, we we saw that we've got a good opportunity. We're hitting some form coming into the back end of the season, and we saw that um, on our day we can compete against any side that, uh, and, and whether that be home or away. And, and look, just to ask you that question directly, um, those issues around particularly your coaches, that kind of behaviour um, is unacceptable in any sport, let alone uh, you know, the top flight of uh, the domestic league. Um, what's your view on, on what happened and, and how it's played out? Well, certainly there was a lot of emotion on the day, um, which, which, which started many months before, um, through there the, the being some, some reports without any foundation that, uh, that both of the Aloises are going to be moving down to Adelaide. Um, there was no substance to that. Um, I spoke immediately with uh, Greg Griffin, um, the, the chairman of Adelaide, and collectively we tried to put all of those rumours to bed, but for, for whatever reason, um, it continued to get reported that that was the case. Um, and that created a lot of emotion around the game. And certainly, 
what actually what actually transpired um, is not acceptable to, to football, and and we recognise that as a club, and uh, Ross recognises that as, as as a as a coach, our assistant coach, and a and a very important member of our team. But uh, it, it was important, I think, from from the club's point of view that we we waited to see what what were the, what were the findings of the FFA investigation before we started to make any any real decisions around how we we're going to how we we're going to react. There was a lot of emotion on the night following following the event, um, but we needed to wait to, uh, to to get a clear understanding of what took place, and, and certainly what took place was very different to to what was reported uh, immediately after the, the incident. Mark, can I just take a step back for a moment? Uh, you uh, joined the club um, after a period of uh, quite some controversy. Um, I mean, the problems that Brisbane Roars had uh, uh, through its the last two pre-seasons have been well-documented. Uh, late payments, uh, superannuation dramas, those types of issues. Um, Rumours that uh, the backer group are looking to sell um, uh, quite extensively throughout those times. Um, and then a, a troubled um, relationship between... Um, the former CEO and uh, and the football department. You walked into that scenario. Can you just tell us um, from your your perspective what it's been like, uh, basically trying to steady the ship from that point, and uh, and get everything back on track? To, to, to be honest, it was it was it was not a difficult task because everybody involved in the club wanted the same thing. They they all want the same things, whether that be the fans. Whether it be our members, whether it be our sponsors, whether it be you know our business partners, and um, whether it be the commercial department, the football department, the medical department, we wanted the same thing, and that was that was, that was very important. So it was about it was about being for all of us to be really honest with each other, and and what we wanted to achieve, and and in doing that and coming together with that that very open um, and frank uh, approach approach. Then, then, then it wasn't too difficult to to bring some people that uh, that are massively committed to the success of Brisbane Raw, not um, you know, not not dismissing what had gone on in the past, but looking very much towards what we're going to do in the future. And we, we took a very clear decision of, and and a, and a direction that we weren't going to focus on what's gone on in the past. We're going to focus on what we could change and and what we could do in the future. Uh, Mark, this is a, a football community program. It uh, it goes nationally via uh, News Talk Sport, Macquarie Radio's digital network and podcast. So you're talking to the football community more broadly, not just obviously the Brisbane Raw fans. What can you, um, from your experience with the Backery Group, what is the strength of their commitment to the club and what can you tell us uh, right here and now as of uh, on the eve of the this season's finals where the Backery Group sit with the club at the moment? Bakery, uh, the, the Bakery family, rather than the Bakery group, it's, it's better to refer to them as a family okay, yep. because, because from Puck one who's, who's the head of head of the family, um, you know, is, is a passionate football supporter, loves football, um, has very clear visions of what he wants to achieve in terms of football in his lifetime. He wants to have um, Indonesian football players playing around the world. And that's his motivation um, to to own football clubs. It's his, it's his real desire um, to create um, a legacy in, in in football. And that's his you know his 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 
Uh, objectives here is not, not about making money. It's about creating a legacy, a lasting legacy for, for what he's achieved in terms of Indonesian football. It's really great for us to have the opportunity to spend some considerable time with his son, Arga Bakri, um, uh, a, a very, a very successful man in his own right and also a, a very, a very passionate football fan. And through all of the conversations that we've had, they've shown us um, and, and spoken about a real commitment to the to the future of the, the, the team, and and certainly they're they're, they're very passionate about the 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 whole academy program that we're working on, and how do we bring that to the to the wider Queensland audience and then then Australian audience as well. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Brisbane Raw Managing Director Mark Kingsman. Now, that's reassuring words for, for Brisbane Raw fans in particular and the broader football community, mate. Uh, we hope um, they come to fruition because uh, we need passionate people with money to stick around. And, and we need a successful Brisbane Raw. There's no doubt about it. Oh, no question about it. I mean, they've been one of the proudest clubs in the uh, A-League history and, and have got a long uh, and rich history in football in this country, don't they? So we, we need um, the Queensland element of the competition to be strong and uh, and, and, and being prepared for, for the next stage of expansion for, for another side, a successful side in, in Queensland. But, but mate, on to the park, Mark. Um, look, you, you must be proud of the way the boys go out there week in, week out. And, uh, you know, they're, they're flying in um, under the radar. Uh, just about every uh, man and his dog has already presented Sydney with the, uh, you know, the, the, the double. And, um, and there's going to be a few clubs, including yours, that, uh, that intend to have a bit of a say in that um, over the next um, six weeks or so. Yeah, and obviously John spoke at the weekend about the fact that um, Sydney won the, the, the minor premiership. Um, they need to be applauded for that. They've, they've been tremendous this season. They've been absolutely tremendous. We've we've had um, <clears throat> some very good games against them. We felt that we, the last game that we had back at Suncorp Stadium, which we drew um, 0-0, we felt that we had a, a good opportunity. We were very competitive against them. And we believe that um, should we face them in the final series, then we've got every opportunity. Um, you know, Brisbane Raw, nothing to do with me, but over the years, has proven that as an underdog, um, we should never be under underestimated. And, and certainly this season, again, we've, we've gone, to, um, gone to Shanghai, played against, um, you, you know, uh, a great side over there with some, some, some world world-renowned players and we came away with a result but we came away with a result because we played some great football and we we believed when we went out there that we were capable of winning and that we would win and and that's what we did. Mark, um, can I ask you about the current process that uh, is underway around the the stakeholder reform and and governance uh, items that have been um, front and centre of, uh, of discussions by all football fans over the last month? What can uh, what can you tell us about Brisbane Raw's view of uh, the current uh, situation, and uh, and do you see uh, the A League clubs in particular, that group, and uh, the FFA getting a resolution anytime soon? Certainly, certainly, we we would be hopeful that there is a resolution soon because I think everybody in the game wants that. They they want to have um, this this matter resolved. I think it's important that it does get resolved. Um, the 10 A League clubs are very much in unison with, uh, with with their view on on what they want to achieve. Um, they want they want a fair go for the A League, obviously, but they also want a fair go for football as a whole. Um, 
we're very much as as, as ten A League clubs very much committed to developing the the the, the youth game, the women's game, uh, every aspect of, of, of football within throughout the nation. We're very committed to that as a group. Um, but but we also feel that being uh, major contributors to to the financial side of the, the the business coming in, and certainly not a, not only from a financial point of view, um, if we're going to be held up as being the, the the great opportunity for the youth today, then we need to, we need to be part and parcel of that decision making process moving forward. And I think that's that's important. Um, there's real unity amongst all ten A League clubs, uh, and certainly that includes Brisbane Roar as well. And a quick follow-up on that one, Mark. Would Brisbane Royal welcome, in any expansion of the A-League, uh, in the event that happens any time soon, would Brisbane Royal welcome another team in Brisbane to create a, a derby atmosphere like there is in Sydney and Melbourne? It's very difficult to run an, an A-League side. It's not, it's not easy. Um, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I'd welcome a side, wherever it's going to be, that can come in and bring value to the A-League. And if that's in Brisbane and we get the opportunity for, you know, to play a derby, we've We've watched, um, you, you know, not uh, you, you know, with, with, with a, a certain degree of envy um, around the, the Sydney derbies, which have been remarkably successful this year. And of course, every player and every team wants to be able to sit there and play in front of, you know, ranging between forty and fifty thousand people um, for an A League game. And we'd love to be part of that, of course. Um, but it's also important that where wherever those teams come in, that they're They've got they've got their structures in place that they can be successful because as an organisation we know just how hard that can be. Yeah, exactly. You do, but uh, but you know, being the uh, the blue sky sort of uh, optimist, wouldn't it be lovely to see a derby and Suncorp absolutely packed to the rafters uh, for uh, for a game like that? Mark Kingsman. If, uh, if, if, if we want to be a blue sky optimist, it'd be <laughs> lovely to see. Uh, Every home game with Suncorp stats uh, <laughs> packed to the rafters. We'd love to see that. Oh, I'm sure you would, mate. Totally. If we're blue sky optimists. Absolutely. Hey, Mark Kingsman, thank you, Managing Director of the Brisbane Raw. You've been very generous with your time, uh, and uh, we wish you luck and the, the team luck uh, for the finals. And I uh, hope to uh, to talk to you again uh, with some more good news down the track. Thank you very much, Jeremy. You have a, a good evening, and uh, we'll speak again soon. Cheers. Th- th- Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Thank you. After the break, stick around. Dino is back in with all the international news on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio streaming through the NTS app, maybe TuneIn Radio, lots of other apps going on around there, and of course the podcast. You can listen to any of our 73 episodes to date. If you missed the start of the show or any part of the show, just jump on box2boxnts.com.au. Now it's time to talk Europe. It's been a big week in Europe, Dino. It has. It's been very, very big. Mm. Um, and it's most probably coming to the stage now where it's getting to a little bit more of the pointy end. April's the best month. It, it is. Isn't it? It's April's, fantastic. Uh, mm. April's a big month. Um, because obviously it's the run home. There's also the FA Cup 
semi-finals next yeah, week. People in Australia may be yeah. not aware that the weather starts to improve a little bit in England at this time of year, so it's a bit like... Uh, it can when be quite we... pleasant. A few yes. Australians have been to England, actually, did you know that? Yeah, but not everybody, but that's a, a big part of what April's about over there, because the sun, sa- sun starts to shine again, the fans yeah. don't have to wear their big jackets to the games as much, it's, it's pretty good. The bonus also for, obviously, or for all our lis- listeners is, obviously, from an Australian point of view, the games, the early games, come fantastic. at a really it comes good time now, it's, so it's really... it's, you know, it can certainly make a Saturday evening, but uh, I thought what we've done... I've, Where do you, you want to start? Well, I want to start with, most probably, we'll start with the Premier League. Yeah. But I want to talk about the top four as the top four. And then you've got the fifth and sixth place teams. So, look, if you look at Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool and Manchester City, lurking in behind there now is Arsenal and Manchester United. At the bottom end, Swansea's now fallen into the relegation trap with, mm. uh, with Hull City winning two but games. What a, over those the week. midweek games, though, Swansea were well, ahead. And, well, uh, that's the thing. This is exactly right, uh, Rob, that it's, it's been a really good week for some teams yeah. and a really bad week. And yeah. it's now coming to the pointy end where, for me, Burnley to Everton from 7th to 14th are pretty safe unless mm. really falls away. I'm really, really concerned about Sunderland and Middlesbrough. Um, they like, really are losing touch. Swansea, mm. you know, have had a, a draw and a, and a loss, but Hall's two wins mm. has really turned that around. And also places, and I'm not sure who Crystal Palace's game in hand is, but whoever that is, that could be a really, really vital game. Mm. Absolutely. And you're right, Middlesbrough and Sunderland, I, I can't, can't see them getting anywhere near uh, safety. Um, well... Unless they do a Leicester from two years of ago. Of course. And a lot, and I think even on the Sunderland thing, I know it's been touched on all around the world, but mm. the interview with that lady, I mean, she was pretty hard-hitting. She put him in a bit of a corner. Really mm. poor question, I thought, but irrespective of that. Poor behaviour. Yeah, not good enough. You, you just can't... Disappointing, because he's not like that. I didn't think he was like that. Yeah. Well, I didn't, but, you know, it's... I think we're a bit beyond that now, aren't we? Yeah, we so are. anyway, less less said yeah. the better. But what about Leicester since they departed with a tinker man, six <laughs> six matches unbeaten in the league? Well, I, I did a little research on that because it, it was a, it was something that really you know we, we all I remember this the night that when we yeah. were all talking we're pretty disappointed about and it, and we were you yeah. know and but unfortunately and and I mean this you know and I'm I'm a manager and I've been a manager and I've been sacked. And it's not a nice feeling. But How many times? Oh, I think three. You counting? I think three. I've resigned a few times, but three, <laughs> I think, uh, I was shown the door. Um, it's the life of a coach. It is, but this turnaround is unbelievable. And you can't really now, based on what you see in front of you. It's incredible, Quarter-final. They're up to 11. Of, of the, uh, well, they're up to... Yeah. Well, they're good. <laughs> they're up they to, could, they if they keep actually, going, they could... They could they could I reckon they can now West Brom oh, I do too. and finish eighth, which will be yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So, Considering where they were. So it just goes to show you what you can do when all the players are playing on the same page. Mm, yeah. And what's most probably really interesting is does Craig Shakespeare get the job permanently? And I think from his point of view, if you get some form of form in that quarter final, something happens there, even if they go out, but it's really tight and they finish eighth, I think you'll get the and job. And for fans of the A-League, Rob, mm, it's just mm. worth reflecting. You know why Leicester will be going hard? Because there is merit payments on broadcast rights mm, mm. all the way down to the teams that don't get relegated, all the way yeah. down to 17. So actually finishing 
tenth, ninth, eighth, or seventh makes a big mm. difference in the money that you receive. We well, know a little bit about this, don't we? We do know a lot about this, Dino. We've <laughs> well, done some work in that area. But, well, well, assuming that that no matter what happens, and that, that's that again the, the A League. These, these are the types of mm. innovations that the A League could consider mm. to make it more interesting in their running. Yeah. Because every game counts in the Premier League. Yeah. No. No. Good point. But uh, to get back to that point on Leicester, that no matter what happens, uh, unless they you know, the trapdoor falls out from under them. Uh, Shakespeare is a, a, a manager of the future, isn't he? I mean, I there, there, are, well. there are teams that will... How will, good's uh, Watford done, him. by the way? I mean, they're not out of trouble, but you think you would think they would be, say, 37 points. I mean, the magical 40 is what you need, but... Um... Look, I'm not sure about that. You're not sure about uh, that? Look, I've, yeah, look, I'm not, I've counted them in there that, that they're safe, but... You never know with football, especially in this run. Had a great year. It's been a really good year. I mean, but he's under enormous pressure Mm. um, from the the chairman, not just because of the position they have been in, but also the lack of uh, communication with his language. So again, you know, they're always looking at different one percenters in this league. Now, what I thought I'd look at is a really important game here. um, This is one that's coming up uh, this weekend is West Ham against Swansea City. Now, I've got West Ham penciled in there, and Swansea obviously were in that same penciled in uh, section last week, but because they got beat, they dropped to the bottom three. So this is a real six-pointer well, for both of Well, speaking of managers that are under a bit of pressure, Slavin Bilic, Slavin Bilic. Uh, is one of those, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, because there was huge expectation around West Ham. Yeah, but they had the Dimitri Poyet um, uh, no, but drama the that derailed was... them. They'd moved from stadium, yeah. one stadium to the other. I mean, he, he you know, he, he got know, a lot of cachet. He wasn't quite Claudio Ranieri last year, but, but to keep them well up and year. make sure yeah, that they went did... to the new stadium. And I think West Ham's, because uh, West Ham's actually got some owners that have been around the traps a long time. They used mm. to own Birmingham City, Golden Sullivan, and they know how to run a club and they know what to do. And they yeah, but do. They're not that popular with but, some of their. their yeah, their but that's because they're not the doing moment. well. But the, but they know. But they know how to hold their nerve. They do. Mm. They're very very experienced. Um, West Ham for me this season is a classic example where off field mm. dramas around the stadium mm. and the culture of the club have impacted on the field. Yeah. The stadium move from their old tradition boiling ground has just been... I bizarre. saw a photograph this week as well where it's almost like a... Apart from the one main stand... That's right. It's, like, it's yeah. like a just demolition and it's so sad like yeah, when you think back. But again, I've... I've gone through the area when the baseball ground was Derby's and it went to Pride Park. So, you know, Pride Park's a great facility. But West Ham need to do something about the Olympic Stadium. They need to, I think they need to renovate some of the stands. They bring it closer. I want to also mention uh, Mr. Conte at Chelsea. Mm. First manager, allegedly, and and this has been out there publicly yesterday, that is the only manager to uh, beat Pep Guardiola home and away in a single season. No other yeah. managers managed to do that. that. So well, is it a fact or is it an alleged well, fact? It was on television, so you always believe everything oh, you absolutely. see <laughs> here on television. Is Tottenham any chance of catching it? They, the, the game was, this week, the Chelsea game, Man City, was the one where... Well, it was 21 dropped. points up for grabs. Yeah, there is, but mm. Chelsea... No, but can they really... I mean, can they can they track him down? Chelsea have been good all season. I, I I still think Chelsea are safe, but as we know, a couple of games yeah, well, the, 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 the defeat, same goal uh, difference, well, the defeat against Crystal Palace. Yeah, that's right. Um, so look, it's interesting. So move to the uh, the championship, uh, which yeah. we all know it is my favourite. Yeah, it was a great photo in this week. I mean, it was how they had our Socceroos. I mean, Mila Yedinak and. Um, Massimo Lawongo faced off uh, midweek. There was a great photo of them locked in arm, chasing for the ball. I mean, how would you be? I mean, we know the soccer is great, mates. How would you be? You've been away in camp together, um, 
doing doing the hard yards. I mean, Millay's played him every minute. And then you got to front up when you get back off the plane. And the first bloke you lock arms with is your teammate. It must be fantastic. It is. And, and also on the flip side of that, you look at... Well, it's going to happen again this weekend because he's going to be locking arms with Jackson. That's right. They've just walked back about. straight back in into two games. Straight from, right off the back. I mean, and what about Steve Bruce, what he said about... Did you see what he said about no, Lee Edemek? No, Lee I didn't. He said, well, he, he said, look, Millay's... He, he basically, for the press, detailed Millay's travel program and the fact that he played every minute for the Socceroos and, and that he landed back um, you know, 24 hours before their their game, and Steve Bruce not for one moment even considered leaving him out of the team. Well, they have won. And he so- said, and they asked him why, and Steve says, and Steve Bruce just said, and, and we know that I I, <laughs> no, no. I can't do Steve Bruce's accent, but he speaks beautifully. Well, it's a Newcastle accent, so yeah. it's a Geordie accent. But he speaks beautifully, doesn't he? And um, he does. And he just said because Millie Yedinak is a man, that's why I played him. He's a man. Mm-hmm. That's all he said. And look, that was a great response. Look, to be fair to Miller, he is a man. I mean, wherever he's gone, he's he's done a really, really good job for the team. And it's no, it's always that one where all the fl- flair and all the you know the really good quality players get all the plaudits. But as mm. we all know, in every team, you've got to have that man in the middle of the park, cleaning up everything. And and he makes a big, big difference to mm. Australia and to obviously. He every played club every he's moment played. of uh, Aston Villa's two games in the last four, five days. Well, talking about. Uh, I've penciled, the, as you know, from last week, we did Burton Albion, Nottingham Forest and Bristol City. So interesting as how much football changes in two games, which is a week, mm. that Burton um, have, have jumped up a couple of places, obviously. because Thanks to a Jackson Irvine last-minute goal. Last-minute winner. And, also and they did almost, well against Newcastle. Well, that's yeah. it. We spoke yeah. earlier, didn't we? And it was like, yeah. that's really right. That could have been four points, which they weren't... I read an article through with Nigel was saying that they didn't expect in the next three games any points. So they're certainly ahead of schedule. But Bristol City really, really are in trouble now. But again, they, uh, they've they lost two two losses in a week and it makes such a difference. So for me, Black, but, well, Rotherham, let's put that down. To, well, Rotherham's Rotherham been down. And so it, they're down. It, we often talk about the amount of points that are required to remain up. And because Rotherham's been so poor, Bad. they haven't been pinching any points against any of those other teams in and they around. They haven't hurt anybody. So Burton's 44 points is probably really only, at this time of the year, probably really only worth 40 or even maybe less because of uh, the fact that Rotherham can't, hasn't been able to get any points. I think if Burton were to get a result and and we're, but it's against Villa, so Villa mm. have won four in a row now. Um, but if they were to get a it's result, it's at, at home. I reckon and it's Villa almost would, one foot Steve in Bruce there. Steve Bruce in Villa uh, and Andy Jackson in Singapore, we, he would agree with this. They're making a run for the playoffs. They are. It's a long way. I mean, look, I've got them as a little tip because they're eleventh. You know, the t- the chasing teams are Fulham. Preston North End, Derby, Norwich and Villa. Now, Derby have won two, a... two on the back. Uh, Villa have won four. That's a big Preston, call, though, each. Preston have won... They've won four. I mean... They've... Four in a row. Yeah, it's a I run. Mean, they're on a roll. Yeah, they but are. they're nine points off six spot. Yeah, but... It, it, it... But if, I suppose in, in, in Edge's defence, if they win the next two, mm. then all of a sudden six in a row, all mm. of a sudden that's mm. like they're really in mm. top form. And, hey, I did well, say there was 21 points between... Uh, up for grabs with Spurs and Chelsea. So, uh, yeah, point taken. So, um, so look, the, 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 I think from the most probably the game that's most probably going to capture everybody on, on on this week is most probably, I think Newcastle and Brighton are pretty well safe. I don't think Huddersfield, even though they've got a game in hand, can actually make up the difference. But you never know. But I think really it's, it's more the chasing teams, and I think I would say if looking at this game this week, Sheffield Wednesday and Newcastle would be most probably the game of the round. 
and very, very important for Sheffield to win to, to keep in touch in that top six. But I think if Newcastle win, I think that gets them almost promoted. So I think that's going to be most probably the significant game of, of an outcome where yep. something's like... You I agree put, with that. Dino, a question without notice. Yep. Do you, does Nottingham and Derby play each other again before the end of the no, season? No, they've already played. So that, that's all done and dusted. Derby were winning two weeks ago and conceded in the 95th minute to draw. So... Hence the, the answer uh, is them fans yes. were uh, pretty happy. <laughs> there you go. They know gold. Sorry to as bring always, that up, mate. <laughs> How come he's smiling when he says sorry? I know he does. No, I, I just forgot about that tem- temporarily. Yeah, smiling assassin, as <laughs> Nigel says, off the cans. Well done, Dino. See you next week, mate. Thanks. After the break, Van Aken returns with stoppage time on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe? For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Box to box, what a great show it's been tonight. We've talked to Jackson Irvine. How we've... good was the Jackson Irvine interview? He's yeah. a superstar. Yeah. We love him. Yeah. We've got a, I've got a man crush on Jackson. Yeah, I don't, you're the only one, my friend. He's a good bloke and uh, and a good family, and uh, it's just wonderful to see, especially since I mean, okay, we're all a little bit proprietorial over the young man, just because we have a brush with uh, fame and connection there. We um, we are fans. No, it's of the just game awesome well. to see him. Uh, Getting reward for what's been a lifetime of hard work. Well, that's the I get the think the point is that that um, I mean I know and Dino is in the same boat as me. I've I've followed his career since he was a little kid working with his mum. Dino knows the family well yeah. and uh, coached and him as well yeah, as exactly. a kid in our academy. Yeah. So. Um, so it's just a, it's just an interesting connection there that, that there from is. two it's different. Straight. So anyway, Jackson, wonderful. Strebray, fantastic. Mark Kingsman, very insightful as well. So a wonderful show today. Hey, uh, Robert, Rob, Rob, just I just wanted to share something with you. But hang on, the fourth official signals there's five minutes. We five can't minutes start season. stoppage time no, without that. Because we've got Dino in the studio for stoppage time as well. He's going to he's going to help us wrap up the show. But the bloke whose segment it actually is is just sitting there like. Uh, yes, come on, Mark. Well, I just wanted to share something with you just for a moment. I was mm. as I was driving into the studio uh, this mm. afternoon, like I get here an hour or two earlier to mm. have a look at what we're doing and um, make sure I know what I'm talking about. Mm. And interestingly enough, I stopped at the traffic lights and mm. I saw this. Uh, a uh, middle-aged lady mm-hmm. uh, with her headphones on and a chemist warehouse bag, mm-hmm. um, basically doing the disco jive on the corner mm-hmm. of Park Street and Clarendon Street. So I just was wondering, mm-hmm. there must be some fantastic stuff at Chemist Warehouse. Well, let me tell you to one of people, the To get things. people in that sort of frame of mind, just to <laughs> do a bit of dancing, <laughs> disco dancing at four o'clock on a uh, on a Friday afternoon at the corner of Park and Clarendon. Well, I'm sorry, Marco. Maybe the healthy care ginkgo biloba 2000 from Could have been. It might be Could assisting her brain Must cells because brain cells require large amounts of energy to function properly, and you need to you know function properly when you're dancing, don't you? Glucose and oxygen need to be constantly supplied to the brain cells to create energy, as the brain has very small energy reserves. Many studies have shown positive effects of ginkgo on working memory, the speed of information processing and learning. Ginkgo biloba may have positive effects on memory and also assist in improving mental alertness whilst helping to maintain blood circulation in healthy individuals. Get your ginkgo healthy care biloba at Chemist Warehouse right now. Always read the label. Use only as directed. Vitamin supplements should not replace a balanced diet. Chemist Warehouse lowest price is guaranteed, Mark. He needs some. Yes, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, not much time left. Well, let's uh, let's. Uh, in fact, let's just talk about Jackson again. I've seen a couple of articles this week saying that he should be the permanent replacement in Socceroo in the Socceroos for Mille Yednak because Mille, as mm-hmm. well as he's doing at the moment with Villa, can't play on forever. He's already mm-hmm. 32 years mm-hmm. old. The next natural sort of replacement for Mille is, of course, um, help me out, Millsy. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Milligan, who's no spring chicken himself, he's 31, and he's going to be in a state of flux in the off-season. So could it be time for Ange to uh, just go to Jackson and, um, you know... What do you think, Dean? See oh, the old guard can out. he play that role? I think he can. I mean, he looks really adaptable. I mean, obviously, he's always good for a goal. I mean, he scored goals in the championship yeah, all year. Yeah, does play, you know, in, just in front of the defence. He there, does, but know. I think it's, it's like anything... The hardest part of the game is always playing in that front third. You know, it does get easier, believe it or not, the further you go back. And that's most probably why I was a defender. But <laughs> um, but no, I actually think he is adaptable. He's a good size. He's great in the air. He's a good passer. And he covers ground really well. Uh, so for me, if, like you look at Kante as just an example. I'm not saying he's in the same breath as that. But he's got that same amount of mobility. can move around the pitch. And, you know, he'll, his body's still developing, so he'll still mature. So there's there's no reason why he can't. But, uh, again, at the moment, I think he's in tip-top shape. And we he love his goals at the moment, don't we? Yeah. on the sheet for me. Now, we've got just over a minute. So I'm going to skip forward to former England manager Roy Hodgson, who's been spotted in Australia, not on the beach, but helping out A-League club, Melbourne City. Hodgson has been without a head coaching role since his contract with the Three Lions expired following their shock Euro 2016 exit. Was it a shock? At the hands of Iceland. But the 69-year-old has taken up an advisory role with the City Football Group, which has led him to Australia. So he's down here with Brian Marwood, the uh, the executive of uh, CFG, and he's overseeing Michael Valkanis and the crew out there in uh, Bandura. So interesting times indeed. And this is now getting Skellywags <laughs> out there. I just saw there. us. I yeah, just saw us. Just uh, Skellywags. You reckon Melbourne so... City could tell us about that? Well, not only that. You reckon, um, yeah, because it was Dave Davudovic that spotted him on the touchline yesterday at training. Uh, anyway, and this has now got people saying, well, hang on, may he take over the head coaching role at Melbourne City? I doubt it, but who knows? Well, maybe. At least he's out here. We're not the biggest fans of the Hodgesaurus, but hey, he's here <laughs> and he's uh, better than most. So that's full-time on box to box You might have been listening to us on the podcast on box to box ntscomau perhaps on TuneIn Radio, maybe even on the NTS digital radio stream. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.